0: This is Buck's First Thoughts, the news you need to get for your day in 45 minutes. Make sure you subscribe on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: I understand that there is a desire to think that this is all over. I understand that people want to celebrate the end of the pandemic, and there's certainly cause for a lot of optimism here. But I have to tell you all that this thing is not only not over, But until we repudiate what has gone on here, until we actually win the argument against what has been done to this country, the power grab is just put on pause. Why do you think they're leaving some of these rules in place? Why do you think they're engaging in some of these efforts at Soviet style rewriting of history so they can bring it all back when they decide to you think that they didn't like the power that they had you don't think that they're going to try to expand upon this for other situations and circumstances we now live in a country where a governor of a state can effectively say i think there's a really important reason to restrict your movement to restrict your breathing to restrict your life and you have to just say sir yes sir or ma'am yes ma'am and that's the end of it I'm sorry, that's not America. I'm not letting this thing go. We have a fight to win now over what has happened, what they did to us, what was necessary, what wasn't necessary, what worked and what failed. We don't just go forward and let all of this pass because it's not the end of it. It's not the last time. They're not even getting rid of everything, as you know. You currently have to still wear a mask even if you're vaccinated on a plane. Why? Why? Are planes a big note of transmission? Are, are people getting them on planes? Vaccinated people getting COVID on planes? Really? Is that what's happening? I don't think so. This is absurd. But there's also a lot of confusion out there because finally, they didn't keep pushing in the lockdown extreme direction. And that means that people are thinking about all the different arbitrary aspects of this. Here is... The single worst little lab coat tyrant, the health policy Stalinist in chief, Dr. Anthony Fauci, about the confusion on the mass policies. Play three.
2: The science that evolved over the last few weeks that prompted the CDC to make the recommendations that people who are vaccinated should feel safe and be able to go indoors and outdoors without wearing a mask relates to the evidence of how effective these vaccines are not only in protecting you against infection. But even if you have a breakthrough infection, the chances of your transmitting it to someone else is extremely low, very, very low. The problem in the issue is that we don't have any way of knowing who is vaccinated and who's not vaccinated. And I think that's where the confusion arises because there are some establishments who are saying, well, I'm going to have people coming into my establishment, my store, or what have you. Some are going to be vaccinated and some are not. I'm not going to know the difference. Some might be infected and might actually have a risk of infecting someone else. And under those circumstances, it's perfectly reasonable and understandable for the owner of that establishment to say, you know, we're going to keep the mask mandate up. And that's what we're seeing. And I think that's causing the confusion because some are maintaining a mask mandate and others are not.
1: You should pressure any place that does not anymore have the force of law on its side to drop their mask mandate. This is important. You should go in. I'm, I'm going to, as of tomorrow, Wednesday, I'm going to walk into places without a mask on. And I'm going to force them to say, put your mask on, sir. And I'm going to say, why? There's no law. There's no rule. So you're just now an establishment that wants to force people to wear masks. This is what I mean by the fight is not over. You're going to see plenty of places. Now, I know if you live, God bless, if you live in a red state or a red part of a state, where there are sane human beings who have not all been brainwashed by CNN and are not perma-maskers, forever-maskers, you're like Buck. It's your problem, buddy. Well, yes and no. It's my problem. It's the problem of of you know New York City and Denver and Los Angeles and Portland and you know cities that are going to have this for quite some time. Chicago, although actually I got to check and see what the latest on their mandate is. It's also on federal. Uh, federal property it's going to be on airplanes it's going to be on anything that's crossing state lines buses trains and they may just leave that look at how absurd airlines are and have been all along with their rules not just on covid just in general you think that all of a sudden they're going to become reasonable on this issue you think that all of a sudden the airlines are going to be fair-minded about how long they keep in place this the stupid wear a mask rule that they've had this whole time It's not over. I mean, I I understand that we all want to exhale literally and breathe free, fresh air. But there are going to be places and people that try to keep this thing going. And it is incumbent upon all of us to actually push back. Now, we had the force of the state against us, including under the Trump administration. Trump could have been stronger on this issue. That's just reality. Everybody was bending the knee. Now, it's also fair to say that we didn't have all the data. We didn't have the winter that we just went through and that it wasn't as clear that mandates don't do a damn thing. Now it's quite clear. So to be fair to the Trump administration, it was earlier on. And, you know, I, I'm trying to assess this not as an unfair Monday morning quarterback, but sometimes that's going to happen. Uh, but get ready for this. There's going to be a push in some places to get vaccine passports. But as long as we have uh, non-compliance and pushback against it, it won't happen. And yes, the fact of the matter is that people are just going to have to go back to living in a society. They're going to have to go back to living in a world where it is possible that somebody will have a respiratory infection that you can catch and that the state cannot protect you from that, because as we see from what we've been through the last 15 months, the state has never been able to protect you from that. You know, I've been accusing Fauci all along here of not listening to the science, the science You know, you got to just or else you get a plateau and then a surge. So you got to listen to science. I look at the data and I come to a determination about it. Really, it's the best thing for you, for me to just listen to everything I say. Um, But Fauci walks around with a mask on. Why? In fact, I think it was just yesterday he was photographed outdoors, sunny day in the D.C. area at some event and he had a big mask on his face outside. Why? He's vaccinated. What is he doing? Well, here you go. He actually has to admit it now. Play four.
2: How has it changed what you do? How has it changed your
0: mask-wearing practices?
2: Well, you know, George, I'm obviously careful because I mean, I'm a physician and a healthcare provider. I am now much more comfortable in in people seeing me indoors without a mask. I mean. Before the CDC made the recommendation change, I didn't want to look like I was giving mixed signals. But being a fully vaccinated person, the chances of my getting infected in an indoor setting is extremely low. And that's the reason why in indoor settings now, I feel comfortable about not wearing a mask because I'm fully man- I'm fully vaccinated.
1: Okay, what about the outdoor setting where you were in a mask yesterday? It's a security blanket, folks. We can all see it. It's clear. We know. We understand. And then there's the issue. This is why I'm sorry. I understand. What? What am I going to? I'll talk to you about some of the other news stories today that are out there. But what's more important than this? If you have children, your children are still expected to run around with a mask on. Your children are still expected to be in the sun this summer at camp, thanks to the CDC, in 90, 95 degree heat running around. With a stupid mask on their faces. So we're not done here. I understand we all want to be done. But the lunatic mask lockdowners need to th- th- their ideas need to be defeated and eliminated. Their hysteria, their neuroses has to be overcome because you've got people like Fauci advocating for it is effectively mass child abuse. Play two. What's your message to parents this morning whose kids are unvaccinated?
2: Well, the same as Stephanie just mentioned, and that is that the CDC recommendations still maintain that for children who are not vaccinated, obviously uh, most children are not 12 to 15 are getting vaccinated, that indoors they should still wear masks, and that's the CDC recommendation. Will that change as we get more and more information, as we get more and more people vaccinated? Certainly we have to keep up with the evolving situation. George, we're not going to have kids at that age vaccinated for at least several months as we get towards the end of this year and the beginning of next year.
1: An old Democrat bureaucrat jerk advocating for supporting, defending mass child abuse, because that's what masking up children who are not at risk from this disease and do not effectively spread this disease. That's what it is. So, as I've been telling you, we're not done. Not even close. Well, okay, close. But we're not done. And there's a lot of fighting left to do here. Or else, not only will there be the Soviet-style rewriting of history, but there will also be an effort to bring all of this back.
3: I hear everything you're saying, and I I do think, though, uh, there needs to be some clarity that there are some pockets of the country that may not be ready. Uh, I'm here in Washington. Uh, In many ways, I'm here doing know your value interviews, but I am working with a team here, and there was one person on the team who is not vaccinated. I'm wearing a mask around that person. You know, it is... Really, if you want to follow the science, then there are times you need to still wear the mask. And that's where I think it gets really confusing as we try and move forward as a country and put this pandemic behind us. The other thing is this pandemic is not behind us globally. And that means that we could run into problems again. You never know. If you're looking at the science and you're looking at breakthrough cases and you're looking at other strains, it's not completely behind us.
1: Dr. Mika is a moron, but that's not a surprise to you. This is the problem, though. People get their they get their news and information from people like Mika Brzezinski, who is, is essentially a a you know model with a famous last name. That's that's really the the basis that the the origins of her credentials here. Uh, to talk about anything, never mind to talk about science and this this notion that there could be breakthrough case. Okay, we, we've been through all this. No, no, enough. If she, if she is vaccinated as she clearly is, she's wearing a mask around one person that she knows who's not vaccinated. Does she understand what the statistical reality is here of being over 90% protected from infection yourself and also this other person being at a viral load level and in close contact long enough to infect her? I mean, you're, you're starting to just See how crazy folks have become over this. But they've been like this all along. They've been completely unreasonable. They didn't come down hard in the corporate press on Gavin Newsom when he shut down outdoor dining in California. They didn't come down hard on the left, the Democrats certainly, on Cuomo. The $5 million man, by the way. Governor Cuomo got a $5 million book deal. What do I mean by $5 million? Not $1 million, not $2 million. But three million. Oh, okay. No, five million, actually. Five million. I thought it was initially three million. It's five million dollars for a book that uh, almost no one will read and no one cares about. But why do publishers do this? It's a great way to pay off the people running states like New York, which really matters. Where do you think most of the major publishers are based? New York City. Their offices are not far from where I'm doing this show right now and go see them. They have big midtown towers in Manhattan and they have a way of funneling millions of dollars to a guy who was the worst when it came to the pandemic. Actually, producer Mark, do we have speaking of Morning Joe? Now they're willing to say, oh, Cuomo was not was not so good after all. Play that.
0: There's a lot of money, I mean, for a public servant and i don't I, I don't know that things have worked out quite so well. He's under an investigation right now on uh, whether they cooked the books uh, when when it came to nursing home deaths. I, and when I say I don't know, that's me. Uh, that's that's what the kids call uh, these days. Understatement. That's crazy
4: money. It's crazy money for anyone. And we asked him in real time whenever that book came out last year, when he came on the show, why on God's earth you would write a celebratory book about your leadership while you were still right in the middle of the crisis. And it has not worked out well for him. As you said, the initial decision two marches ago to send patients back into nursing homes, then covering up the number of deaths that were inside those nursing homes. There's also, of course, the sexual harassment. Harassment investigation in his time as governor and yet. I don't know how in good faith you could accept the five million dollars For a book about your leadership in a crisis when your state the state of New York not all through his fault But it's a truth had it as bad or worse than anybody else in the country and the leadership in many cases as these Investigations are showing and these journalism has shown has been frankly terrible and deadly in many cases
1: You know Morning Joe was a show that was a big proponent of and for the New York and D.C. elites that are the Morning Joe audience. It's never been a big audience, but it's, you know, very important hedge fund managers and politicians that watch the show. That's what we're always told in the media. Uh, They were big proponents of Cuomo. Do you remember Cuomo sexuals? That was a term that became popularized for a while because of how sexy Cuomo was during his press conferences. Do you remember the various... Politicos writers authors pundits who were saying that Cuomo made them all feel so safe made them all feel so safe in the early days before we knew anything about this even I was thinking well he's not being overly political I guess that's you know a good thing in the early days when he was talking about the need for ventilators and the administration helping and but then he went political and then we found out he lied and we found out about the nursing home order we found out about all the disasters and yet there were still people covering for him. There were still people that were saying, oh, no, let's wait and see. Uh, Cuomo was the worst governor in America during a time of real trial, and he was rewarded for it. Why? Because he's a part of the Democrat system and they reward and take care of their own. As I have always told you, it's one of the big advantages that Democrats have. The apparatus of the left makes sure that they're important fighters, that they're political assassins, that the people that do their dirty work. They always get another job. They always get a payoff. They're always taken care of. They're like mafia hitmen who go to prison and their family is, you know, taken care of by the Don. That's the Democrat Party. On the right, we get people that get crushed for doing nothing. And then it's just, yeah, you know, go sell real estate in Montana. See you later. You know, good luck. That's what ends up happening. It's one of the one of the reasons why we lose, folks. I'm gonna, I mean, I like to speak about that with you honestly. Now, why does the right lose on Issue after issue. Why do we lose control of institutions? Why has uh, why have corporations gone woke? Why can't you send your kid to school without being indoctrinated with critical race theory? Why are all elite universities in the country run by leftist loons now? Because we keep thinking that we're playing a game where the objective is neutrality and fair play. And the left keeps playing a game where the objective is control and win. Well, when you're up against that in the long run, which side do you think gets their way more? We can disengage. We can all do what I I understand the conservative mentality, you know, get off the grid. Don't don't even deal with it, Buck. Well, then they're really going to be in control of everything. So we have to be honest about this. And we have to also see in what ways do we create an ecosystem for political victory by supporting people who are important to our cause? And doing so in every way that we can, because the left absolutely does that. Look at Cuomo with his $5 million book deal. Do you know how many books he would have to sell to earn out that advance? Think about that. Do you think people are buying that Cuomo book? I don't think so. Important to share your patriotism and show your love of country these days. And I, I think that one of the best ways you can do it is by displaying a beautiful American flag not all flags are the same sometimes they get all twisted they can get torn up if they're not high quality made from the right materials and you don't want a flag that gets wrapped around the pole and people can't see it and you don't want to be dealing with that so i want you to try allegiance flag supply allegiance flag supply is an all-american company that makes american flags the way they're meant to be bright beautiful the red white and blue and they don't shred they don't tear they're made from very durable fiber and they also don't get wrapped around the pole. So they'll display beautifully. We've got Memorial Day coming up. We've got the Independence Day holiday. Now's a great time to get an American flag and get it from a company that's all based here in the USA. The flags are made in the U.S. And in fact, there are seamstresses that are specifically used by Allegiance Flag Supply because they're based here in the States instead of letting this work be done overseas. So the quality of the craftsmanship here is absolutely top flight. And I've got an allegiance flag right now in my living room. I've just given my parents one to put on their balcony. This is a great flag company. It's all American top to bottom. And it's the kind of American flag you should have in your home or flying out in your yard, off your porch, wherever. Get it in time for Memorial Day if you can. The offer code to use right now is buck for 10% off. All you have to do is go to this website, showallegiance.com. That's showallegiance.com. When you use the promo code BUCK, you'll get 10% off. Go right now. Get a beautiful, all-made-in-America American flag at showallegiance.com.
5: We have to reopen smart. We have to reopen with a cautious eye. But we have to get back to life, and we have to get back to life and living And we have to do it the way New Yorkers do it. We have to do it quickly and robustly. Effective this Wednesday, we're going to adopt the CDC's new guidance and regulations on masks and social distancing for vaccinated people. By the CDC guidance, immunocompromised people and vaccinated people should continue to wear a mask and social distance. But uh, if you are vaccinated, uh, you are safe. No masks, no social distancing. Uh, we're also going to follow the CDC's guidelines that you will still need to wear a mask on public transportation, the subways, the buses, nursing homes, homeless shelters, correctional facilities, schools, and health care facilities.
1: Why are we having this back and forth still? If you're vaccinated, you're safe, but then there are all these places where you're not safe, like schools? What? why is that the case what is the basis for this has there been a lot of spread in these places remember how they shut down restaurants in New York City and this is true in many cities across the country but New York is where I am so it's the city I know the most about in terms well in terms of everything but certainly in terms of COVID policy why was there um, not a lot of focus put on the fact that they only thought one percent which is within the margin of error one percent of actual transmission of COVID was happening in restaurants, period. But they shut them down for months and months and months. You know, you have to wonder, does that 1% get eliminated even from the COVID total? Or does it just move? Does that transmission just move somewhere else, in the home, in close quarters somewhere? But Cuomo is saying that they'll get rid of this by tomorrow in New York. What's fascinating is that, as expected, there are some states that are just going to be more intransigent on this. And they certainly... You see see, I think there's a big part of this where they want you to be grateful, because if you have to show gratitude for getting back your liberty, your basic freedom, then you look ungrateful the moment you say, "You know, hold on a second. Was it really necessary to do all this stuff you guys did to us? Should it really have happened this way? Did you have to do these things? You see? They, they want you to be thanking them for this, because then it makes it very difficult. It makes it awkward to turn around and say, what the heck did you idiots do to us? What did you put us through for what? What benefit did we get out of this? Oh, where's the data? Where's the science on that one? See, now there's going to be a huge fight. And this is what I'm really focusing on. today. There's going to be a huge fight over what the lessons are from the pandemic and how we deal with this going forward. Because I want you to be clear on this fact. The apparatus, the Democrat Party, the corporate media, their belief is that they handled this really well. The only problem with the Trump supporters who wouldn't go along with the guidance, they wouldn't mask up enough and mitigate enough. And if it weren't for them, it would have all been under control. We'd be Australia if it wasn't for Trump supporters. That's the narrative from the left. Now, if you actually look at Mask mandates. If you look at California versus Florida, for example, with their lockdown policies, they're wrong. But they don't think so. They think they're heroes. I know this will be a little bit mind blowing, but it is true. Governor Cuomo of New York justifies everything that he has done in his own head by thinking he really believes. I can I can guarantee you that he saved lives. He saved lives. Maybe some lives were lost because of his policies, but far more, you know, that was the nursing homes, far more lives were saved because of his brilliant leadership. And if that is really your belief, well, then how could anyone challenge you? How could anyone say you're wrong? Right. How could anyone come along and tell you that you should leave, resign in disgrace? People think that that Cuomo is all embattled. Cuomo is. Colonel Nathan R. Jessup, United States Marine Corps, Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. You need me on that wall. In places you don't talk about at cocktail parties, you need me on that wall, right? That's Cuomo's attitude about him as the governor of New York. And when it comes to nursing homes, he's like, "You're, you're gosh darn right I ordered the code red. That's his attitude. Make no mistake about it. He thinks he's the good guy. He thinks he's the hero. And actually, I've heard some military friends say that Jack Nicholson's actually kind of he's, he kind of gets a, a raw deal in a few good men. But back to the way these policies are being unfold uh, are being unveiled now, how this is all unfolding. Uh, so Cuomo says they're going to get rid of it. Governor Murphy of New Jersey right next door here to New York. Oh, California, June 15th from Gavin Newsom. Why June fifteenth? Why a month from now? Arbitrary, arbitrary bullcrap. OK. Well, how are things going in New Jersey with Murphy? Play 13.
2: Why did you decide to go against the CDC guidance and and keep the indoor mask mandates in place for fully vaccinated people?
0: Good to be with you, Jake. I wouldn't say necessarily against it. We're just not ready yet. We've been clobbered not once, but twice. We've lost over 26,000 people. We know the virus is more lethal indoors. And, and you're asking somebody who's at, at the hardware store working there or in a retail or a grocery store to make the judgment on who's vaccinated, who's not. Uh, we're, we're not there yet. We're close. I think we're, you know, within a matter of weeks of getting to a better place. Our density usually helps us, not in a pandemic. We want to make sure we get this right. How would you feel if a business
2: said uh, if you show proof that you've been vaccinated, you can come into our store or our establishment uh, without a mask. Uh, but if you don't, then then you you won't. I mean, there is an, uh, the idea of an incentive to encourage people to get vaccinated, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'd feel better about that, for sure. Uh, but again, I don't think this is this is not remotely forever and always. This is a matter of a couple of more weeks on the clock. Listen, I think we were the first state in America To put in place uh, an indoor masking requirement, we know it's been hugely helpful. If we can save only one more life by waiting a couple of weeks longer, uh, I'll sign up for that. So
1: much wrong in one one statement here. So much wrong from the governor of New Jersey. And the mentality is the same for the governor of Michigan, Whitmer. Uh, the governor of Oregon, the governor of California, the governor of New York, the governor of Maryland, the governor, you know, good on the list, governor of Virginia. So much of the same wrongness here. First of all, New Jersey has, I believe, the worst death rate per capita of any state in the U.S. from COVID. So New Jersey is absolute bottom of the barrel with its COVID response by the numbers. So the idea that the governor is forwarding here that because they had an indoor mask mandate people were safer and saved from this is just flatly absurd what the heck is he talking about the mask mandate worked so well murphy that you had more people die per capita as a share of your population in your state than anywhere else in america but that's what that's a statement of the success of your policies. People are nuts. But then he gets also to the core of it. Then he gets really to the center of it all. If it saves just one life, this was, this was always the mentality. This was the way they got all of this. They justified all this all along. If it saves just one life, think of all the policies that you could justify that are onerous that are absurd, that are annoying, if that were the case. Think of all the frustration, pain, anxiety, difficulty, and loss you could put people through for that. This was, all along, the we should have a 10-mile-an-hour speed limit in this country approach. And some people were willing to go there on COVID. Even, even as annoying, it's not like this is zero-cost stuff, as annoying and frustrating and painful as this is, If it saves just one life, we should do it. An abject fallacy of weak governance, cowardly thinking, and that is his approach. You hear this when they want to do something on gun control, though, too. You hear this when, you know, if you if you have to make if you have to make 10 million gun owners, uh, you know, wait five days and spend 50 hours of their lives, you know, filling out paperwork and doing nonsense. Um, But it saves maybe one life. Is that worth it? This is what they'll say to you. I mean, you know, people die slipping in the shower. Should we not allow showers? Should we only allow people to have, you know, handheld spritzers to, you know, to shoot water on themselves? No more showers because people die in the shower. We could do this all day. This is a pathway to insanity. You understand this, right? And it's one that they put the country on. Because it was a way to justify, for the weak-willed and the weak-minded, it was a way to justify absolute control during a time of heightened anxiety and risk to the American people.
6: You can never be woke enough. That's the problem. It keeps going. It keeps going further and further and further down the line. And if you get to the point where you capitulate, where you agree to all these demands, it will eventually get to straight white men are not allowed to talk right because it's your privilege to express yourself when other people of color have been silenced throughout history it it will be you're not allowed to go outside because so many people were imprisoned for so many years I mean I'm not joking no I know I know it really will get there it's that crazy yeah we just gotta be nice to each other man and there's a lot of people that are taking advantage Of this weirdness in our culture and then that becomes their thing their thing is calling people out for their privilege calling people out for their position
1: it's about power Joe Rogan is totally right here and because it is about power and the left can never have enough there is no limiting principle to wokeness there is no limiting principle there's there's no framework in place for it other than whatever works whatever gets it done they create a narrative and the narrative is is essentially that there are endless amounts of and 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 different representations of oppression in society specifically american society and that means that you can always make a case that individuals are not to be held to account based upon their action and what they do but their group identity is the identifier for them their group identity is what really matters and they are held either up or down based upon that. And the most important thing is to hold down those who are in this narrative, the oppressors, meaning straight white males, and elevate others, although not all in the same way. You'll notice with the, uh, with the removal of standardized testing from the University of California system. So now SAT, ACT, California schools, Berkeley, UCLA, U.S. uh, No, USC is private. Berkeley, UCLA and other, you know, UC San Diego, all these different UC schools. um, They can't they cannot look at your SATs. So what that is going to do, that's going to disadvantage by the numbers. A lot of children of Vietnamese immigrants, children of Chinese and Korean immigrants who disproportionately do very well on the SAT. Same situation here plays out in New York City at a school called Stuyvesant. Well, it's really the three flagship schools for New York City, Stuyvesant, Bronx Science and Brooklyn Tech. You take a straight up exam exam of academic ability and it's very similar to an SAT, but for eighth graders to go into high school, you take that exam and then whoever gets a certain number, that's it. The you get the number you're in. I got into Stuyvesant story for another time. But you take the you take the test, you get in, you can go. And they keep saying that this is unfair and they never really explain why it's unfair other than look at the numbers. Some groups do better than others. You say, well, how do we address this fairly to the people that do have the merit while making this a, a question about societal impact or historical grievance or anything else? It's just there are no limiting principles here. It's just about power. Using victimization and using the the rhetoric of historic injustice and oppression in order to victimize actually people today and to take away from them to undermine them, not based upon any objective standard, but based upon the preferred narrative of the left. It is racial Marxism. That's what this is. Right. You go to the heart of Marxist theory and it's that there's this this system of oppression through capitalism that was holding people down and exploiting them, that all profit is theft, that all labor for wages is inherently exploitation. There's no benefits from this. It is just a system that is, you know, the the, continua- the, the next tier, the continuation of serfdom. In Europe, which was a quasi slave status where people were tied to the land and you could say, yeah, they could go somewhere else, but they would starve. We're talking about medieval uh, medieval serfdom now. And so then capitalism is a continuation of that same mentality of oppression and and uh, dictatorial power over the lives of people and their families. And so what Marx was saying is we're going to create a society where there'll be a dictatorship of the proletariat that the workers would inherently somehow just be wiser, better. I mean, there, there's all this worker worship when you look at the writings of Lenin and, and Stalin. And yes, Stalin did a lot of writing, too. People don't know this or forget this. Stalin was actually, for a time, the editor of Pravda, the premier Bolshevik uh, newspaper inside what, what became the Soviet Union. And Stalin did a, a lot of writing. Stalin was a journalist, for those who are wondering. Stalin was a community activist and a journalist. Those were really and a bank robber. Those were his professions before he was in the Central Committee of the Soviet Union. Uh, and then, of course, became the premier and and the dictator and the one of the most monstrous tyrants of all history, certainly in the top three of all history. And we look at this now and we see that. It's all happening exactly exactly. If you have an understanding of critical race theory as racial Marxism, everything we see going on in our society makes sense. They're dividing people. They're creating animosity. But it's animosity that's not tied to individual action. So you can't really do anything about this. You just have to submit to the narrative of victimology that is being infused all throughout society. And there are people who are elites who benefit from this. Because as long as people are looking at each other saying, hold on, my ethnic group, your ethnic group, we're getting this, you're getting that. They're not saying, hmm, are we really just running a system here where the inflation of uh, of assets through central bank manipulation keeps the rich richer than ever before and involve, you know, we're are, are we not looking at that stuff anymore. We're not looking at how. Uh, American companies making money by offshoring and sending jobs overseas while benefiting from being an American company and having access to and recourse to our courts and our markets, that that's exploitative and a betrayal of American values. You know, we we don't think about those things. So the elites, the ultra rich, the woke, they're happy to have people marching around for BLM. And not thinking about what's really happening in the economy and who's really in control of the power structure.
5: As a result of our prompt action to roll out the vaccine and boost the economy, we've gone from stagnation to an economy that is growing faster than it has in nearly 40 years. We've gone from anemic job creation to a record of creation for more for a new administration. None has ever created this many jobs in this time frame. The progress is undeniable. But we're not done yet. And some of the hardest work is ahead.
1: You know, we've got a great economy. And, you know, just slogan, slogan, boilerplate, plate, euphemism, euphemism. Uh, you know, a little more broad nonsense. Something about workers, unions, jobs. It's about jobs, folks. This guy's been giving the same dumb speech for 40 years. You know that, right? it's just we come together and you just shut up and do what my democrat puppet masters want you to. You know, then maybe we'll send you more checks in the mail at some point in the future that your grandkids will pay for, but by that point I'll be gone. <laughs> there you go, leader of the free world. This is straight out of the Bi- I mean the Obama playbook now the Biden playbook, but straight out of the Obama playbook. To say that this economy, which has now 4% uh, consumer price index inflation, uh, rapidly rising gas prices. I know some of this was colonial pipeline, but it was rising before then. And the colonial pipeline fiasco shows that our, our real economic weak, weak point when it comes to energy is fossil fuels, as in we need more and we need redundant access and better supply. We should have a total embrace of of American fossil fuels America as the world's fossil fuel superpower is essential to our actual status as global superpower in fact here here's Senator James Langford pointing out that this this liberal hatred of pipelines is just it's delusional this is not based in any reality kind of like the double maskers after vaccination play 19.
7: we have a gas pipeline that has gone down to a ransomware attack. It reminded me again of how important gas pipelines are all over our nation. And it's interesting to me that on day one, one of the first things that President Biden did was he stepped in and ended the Keystone pipeline moving through here, and is now actively working to be able to shut down all pipeline construction around the country. Can I remind Americans, especially Americans on the East Coast, what it means to lose a pipeline? When the President says, we're not gonna do more pipelines, That means we have no redundancy, that if a pipeline goes down, there's not an additional backup one in construction to be able to get there. It's better to have multiple pipelines in an area, so if one goes down, you still got other fuel supplies. What if this pipeline had actually been a larger scale issue, even than a ransomware attack, as bad as that is? This whole fight that we're having about pipelines suddenly makes sense to a whole lot of folks on the East Coast that can't get gasoline. Pipelines are not evil. Pipelines are moving energy across the country, and it's the least expensive, safest way to be able to move that energy across the country.
1: It absolutely is. And yet. Democrats still cling to their environmentalist green loon left on this issue. And I want to be very clear that they're un You know, I will use this term a lot. We're talking about Democrats. They are unserious on so many of these matters. The White House, this was just yesterday in The Hill. White House environmental justice advisors express opposition to nuclear and carbon capture projects. I can say this to you unequivocally. That if you really want to get rid of carbon emissions without massive reductions to quality of life and standard of living, and I mean way more expensive products Heating of homes, travel—I I mean, enormous depletion of wealth, not for rich people, particularly for those who don't have a lot of resources. If you want to really lower carbon emissions and you are opposed to nuclear energy, you are unserious, libs, unserious. It's not even worth listening to all your other blah blah blah. Let's build, let's build more windmills. Blah blah. It's garbage. It doesn't mean anything. It's just that. It's just claptrap. Fun word to say. And uh, they're opposed to carbon capture projects as well. This is the White House Environmental Justice Advisory Council. This is a bunch of social justice libs who don't know a damn thing about energy. But the White House has to do the whole, oh, let's have our Environmental Social Justice Council come in and talk to us about this stuff. Absurd. Absurd. I mean, Biden has actually promoted a carbon capture tax credit in his infrastructure plan, infrastructure, you know, trillions of dollars they plan on spending. Now, I think carbon capture is stupid. <laughs> OK, that's a whole other thing. I, it's worthless. The world is warming. It's OK. We're going to survive. There's no catastrophe coming. That's reality. There, and, you know, I'm going to keep saying this every year. I'm going to be giving I'm going to be giving the same, you know, words of wisdom on this in 20 years doing this radio show, hopefully. And I'm going to be right then, and there will the people that are saying now that in ten years it'll be too late and it's all over. We're going to have catastrophic warming. Guarantee you, in twenty years they'll be saying, "Oh my gosh, in ten more years we'll be past the point of no return." And we'll have to sit there and listen to them. We'll have to pat, you know, middle-aged AOC on the head and say, "Yeah, sure, sure, that's great, really, really intelligent commentary." Ah. <sighs> Not just are so many libs. I mean, there's all over the place. I mean, the Democrats really believe this. This is an article of faith for them. Like double masking after vaccination, the world is going. They call it an existential threat. We all know what the word existential means, right? It's an existential threat. The the Secretary of Defense, this guy Gen. Uh, I keep saying general. He's now you know SecDef Austin, Secretary of Defense Austin. He says climate change is an existential threat to the United States, the biggest challenge we face. This is the guy who's the head of our military. I mean, what are we going to do? We're we going to start firing hellfire missiles at clouds. Take that, cloud. You're blocking the sun and changing the temperature. We just start, you know, firing off mortar rounds at plumes of smoke coming out of factories. No more CO2. What are we doing? What's wrong with these people? And I know you could say, well, the White House doesn't have to listen to the Environmental Justice Council or whatever for, you know, then why have them and they will get pushed on this issue they're not going to do nuclear democrats won't democrats won't do nuclear won't do it um because it would work and how do you get all these how do you create all these green new jobs to build windmills and solar panels if you're going to be doing you know nuclear is a very specific thing people who work in a nuclear plant requires actual expertise and real training and But yes, it's it's a viable alternative to much of our energy needs could provide for our energy needs. And if it wasn't for the environmentalist left who really slowed and even shut down nuclear plant production for decades in this country based upon irrational fear, you know, the double masking, uh, the double masking Fauciites of the 70s were also concerned that nuclear power was going to destroy the world unless they shut it all down. Well, now they're concerned that CO2 from our other energy sources is going to destroy the world. And we realize, you know, we should have just had nuclear all along. But they listen to the science, whatever that means. Back to Biden here. I got a little distracted from Biden on how we have this really rapidly rising, and growing economy. This is, as I said, straight out of the Obama playbook. Everything that Obama did in the economy for the first two years of his presidency, they would point to the worst month of job losses in a, you know, a cyclical recession that was the worst since the Great Depression in this country. They would point to that and say, see how much better we are than that. As if that justifies everything that they were doing. But it's really a psychological trick here. You know, it's, it's really a, a trick of the propagandist. You know, I could I could go and, and you know, drive around a race car track a few times. And if I was racing against somebody who was a NASCAR driver, they're going to kick my butt and go a lot faster than me. But, you know, let's say that they had a tire blowout, and it was no fault of their own. And they they ran into the side railing or whatever. And they their the car got totaled. And then I just keep driving around in circles saying, see, I'm I'm a much better driver than that guy. Well, it's like, well, not a better driver than him. There was a one unforeseen accident and I'd like to think that I could beat a NASCAR driver in it, But I, I, I'm, I live in the real world. I know I have no chance. I'm not even that. I, see, unlike a lot of people, I don't have delusions about what a great driver. I'm like, I just drive to get places safely and comfortably. I'm not I don't think I'm the fastest. So many people I know think they're the fastest driver. What does that even mean? What are you like speeding 100 miles an hour in a, in a 55 and think that that's a good idea? I don't, know. I don't know. A lot of you are like, yeah, Buck, I drive fast. I drive pretty fast, too, but. You get my point about the NASCAR driver. That's what they do. They point to the absolute worst moment in in a, you know, in an aberrant uh, fashion, something that just came out of the blue. And then they say, oh, but look at how much better we are than that. COVID lockdowns created a massive contraction of GDP, loss of jobs, and all the rest of it. All you have to do to stop that is distribute vaccines, reopen the economy. But this is what I've said all along. They're in a very advantageous position because they're going to look at numbers from a year ago and numbers, you know, they're going to look at the numbers in May of 2020 and May of 2021 and say, see how much better we're doing. Look at these great Biden policies. And people can know if they think about it. Well, it has nothing to do with the Biden policies. But is that going to convince enough people? Is everyone going to recognize that? No. It's Obama administration 3.0. They're even using the same tricks there. In some ways, it's it's even easier for them, too, because they just let the apparatus do so much. You know, Obama was always out there giving speeches and we're all supposed to worship at the altar of Obama's greatness and all that. With Biden, they don't even really pretend. He just kind of walks around muttering and then the people really making the calls. That's what they're doing.